This is the ADF Underground, brought to you by All Day Football. I am your host, Chris. They call me Chouse. What's up, y'all? Welcome back. We appreciate you, as always. Week 7, man, nearly in the books. Of course, with the exception of Monday Night Football. We had four teams again on the bye week. Carolina, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Tampa. So, without them playing, we started it off on Thursday night with the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to Denver to face off against the Broncos. So the spread on this contest closed, I believe, at three or three and a half points in favor of the Chiefs. And it was kind of interesting when you went to look back. The Chiefs haven't seen a spread this low in quite some time. So uh, the first initial thought in my eyes was, could the Chiefs actually again be upset simply because they were on the road traveling to the mile high? I still took the Chiefs to cover the spread. I believe the Chiefs were going to come out in this contest and show better, and they did. But to kick it off, I mean, bad news. Everybody knows already by now. Patrick Mahomes, the new face of the NFL, eventually the new face of the NFL, but he has been injured. He took a weird shot when he did a quarterback sneak and his kneecap dislocated, needed to get popped back in right on the field so that he could walk it off. He had an MRI and all in all accounts, it came back negative, no ligament, severe ligament damage, just strain and a dislocated kneecap. So he will be out for the next two to four weeks, depending on how things progress. But it was a it was a disastrous uh, occurrence for this Chiefs team who has been struggling offensively uh, of late. But let's go back in and review this contest as it was. Uh, the Broncos did jump out in this contest extremely early. So this was the thought process thinking that because this Chiefs defense is very weak, uh, you, you could have seen the Broncos pull out the upset. However, Patrick Mahomes, he came out to play after that first touchdown. He wasn't going to allow a third straight loss for his franchise. He was playing very well. He was 10 of 11 for 76 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, he was moving the ball. They were getting good chunk plays until he went down with his injury. So not only was that a big problem for the Chiefs of how they were going to try and win this contest. So Matt Moore, the backup quarterback, did come into this into this game after Mahomes was gone. And he he played admirably. I mean, you can't hate on what he did whatsoever. He was he was I wouldn't want to say efficient, but he was good. He was good enough to move the ball effectively to get the Chiefs the win. The Chiefs, of course, they did get some luck. They had some defensive plays happen. Got some, uh, I believe they had a defensive touchdown in this contest and a special teams play. So, uh, you know, outside of that, I mean, what can you say? The Denver Broncos season is, it's over. I mean, they're, they're, they're already starting to discuss trading Emmanuel Sanders, possibly Chris Harris, you know, and then to the further extent, Von Miller. So, I mean, the greater the greater concern here is what are the Chiefs going to do without Patrick Mahomes? They are 5-2, and two, still leading the AFC West. And, and for good fortune, I mean, the rest of the teams in the AFC West are also stumbling and struggling. They can't get out of their own way. So even if Mahomes does miss the ladder and he misses the four contests, uh, as long as they can, they can go 500 in, in that span, I believe they'll be okay. They'll still at least get that, that division win and, uh, and secure a playoff berth. But, I mean... For everything else, that contest didn't really show a whole heck of a lot. There was a lot more commitment to the run. Not a great deal, but at least Andy Reid understood uh, that he needed to re-energize uh, the ground game to get this team moving. And it, it was working early on. Shady had 12 carries, 64 yards. So there was no big money, money player on the ground this week. Um, but 
either way, the Chiefs still got the victory. They're going to have a very difficult time without Mahomes. We're curious to see what's going to happen. But even going back further, so we knew that Mahomes was coming into this contest with an injured ankle, and the play was a quarterback sneak uh, by Patrick Mahomes, which which uh, dislocated his kneecap. Andy Reid continues to make very questionable calls, and it, hindsight is obviously twenty twenty because Mahomes did get injured. But I mean, at that point, you knew your quarterback was hurting. Why even risk it? Why, even if his knee didn't buckle, why even risk the ankle potentially getting hurt even further? So it was a poor choice by Andy Reid. Didn't like it. So. Again, this is three three weeks in a row that I'm I'm very critical on on the head coaching of of Andy Reid and and what he's doing, but he's gonna need to clean that up and he's gonna need to bring and corral his troops to for next week to see if they can actually overcome uh, not having their star quarterback and it's gonna be on Sunday night versus the Packers. So so I'm not really expecting a whole heck of a lot. I think the Packers will will run all over them, but. Anyway, let's go on to Sunday's contest where a lot of good games were on the docket. Breaking it down, first off on the board, the L.A. Rams travel to Atlanta to face the Dirty Birds of the Falcons. So here we go. The L.A. Rams are in their own heap of trouble themselves, losing three straight contests, needing a victory desperately on the road in Atlanta versus a Falcons club that themselves can't get out of their own way. Their season is basically a wash. It's done. It's over. They're, but they're going to try to compete, right? So we had great hopes that the Rams would have shown very well here to get back on track. And they did, and they didn't. So there were there were a few things I didn't like about the Rams' overall performance. They didn't look like the top-end team that we were used to from last season. They're still not quite there. But, you know, they did trade for Jalen Ramsey before this week's contest uh, during the week. So Jalen Ramsey, huge trade, comes from the Jaguars, two first-round picks uh, and a fourth-round pick, if I'm not mistaken, going back to Jacksonville. This trade, even though they gave up a mountain of future, I still like this trade. Um only because of how this defense is already currently built. So when you put a player on a team like Jalen Ramsey uh, of his stature, you you create such a different dynamic in how Wade Phillips can now game plan and call his plays. Ramsey is a lockdown corner. He is an island. I mean, you cannot, when he's in the groove, you cannot, get the ball around him this allows wade phillips to do to lock down one side of the field all the time and not worry about having that extra safety over the top using that extra safety to come down and help in run support help in other coverage it's a great thing and we saw that today ramsey was on julio for majority of the game and he basically shut him down whenever he was on. I believe it was six targets and only three catches for like 37 yards or 60-some yards, sorry. But that's a success against Julio Jones. That's a great success. Anyway, so the Rams, they did win this contest 37-10. Atlanta looked horrible once again. What else can you say? Matt Ryan left this game with an injury. He was not as efficient as... As many had thought, so this was an interesting thing as well coming into the week is that a lot of people preaching fantasy uh, relevance for Matt Ryan this week, and I just couldn't understand it because it's not like the L.A. Rams defense is is bad. They just had a couple off weeks. They're going to figure it out. They're going to get back on track. And you got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey now on the field. And at this point, I don't even care that Ramsey's only been with the club for a few days. It's Jalen Ramsey. He is a superstar in his own right. So when you, when you have a defensive line able to create pressure just with the four on the front and then having a lockdown corner with Ramsey by himself, you're allowed to do a lot of other things on this defense. It, and it showed. Again, the run game is not there whatsoever. Um, Freeman can't do anything. The offensive line is, is terrible. And the defense, of course, can't stop a cold. Jared Goff looked better today. I was 
I was more impressed just because I wanted to see him progress from his inadequacies from the past few weeks. This was a good game. He went 22 for 37, 268, threw two touchdowns, and also ran for one. Not bad. Can't hate it. You know, I'm happy he spread the ball around. Woods, Cooks, and Cup basically had all similar days. You know, four, five, six catches each, respectively. So it was a good day. I was happy to see McVay use the entire offense rather than uh, just highlighting one player because now you can see that they're trying to get back in a groove, different plays, different schemes. So the Rams do come away with the win. It was it was expected in my, in my eyes. Uh, we t- we took the Rams to cover, and and yeah, so they get back in business and they're in their division. They're four and three. They're 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 gonna climb back. They're not done by any stretch. And then with this trade for Ramsey, you know that they're going. They're 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 putting all their chips in their basket. They're going for it all again, and rightfully so. They have the team to do it. Speaking of uh, Todd Gurley, so we ha- I had a good conversation with a colleague of mine discussing what is Todd Gurley now at this point and his opinion was that Gurley has lost the lateral movements he is now becoming a north and south runner so I I had to go and look at this a little bit further and and he wasn't wrong uh, to suggest that opinion because Gurley is struggling to get to the outside but in this contest I did see a few times where he was able to move laterally, and he did it with still some explosion. It's not necessarily what we're used to, but but Gurley battled today. He got back into it. He got into it in the past game, found the end zone. So it was an okay day. I'm okay with it. Can't hate it. Falcons, on the other hand, get ready for the offseason. Break out the golf clubs. You're, you're packing it in. You're going to be going for high-end draft capital. So get ready for the trade deadline. The Falcons will be sellers. Moving right along, contest that we were very intrigued with when it came to fantasy football, the Buffalo Bills hosting the Miami Dolphins coming off the bye. I f- was preaching basically start every top-end starter for the Buffalo Bills this week only because it is the Miami Dolphins, and they're coming off the bye, and they're playing at home. How could you not love this matchup? So, we were on our start sit column. We obviously we obviously put this in, but when this contest started, I really was in shock. I couldn't I couldn't believe what was transpiring in Buffalo. It looked as though they took too much of their bye week to relax rather than prepare, as they believed that this contest was a sure victory. Buffalo Bills, you are not at the point in your development, in your team progression, that you can take any team for granted. And the Dolphins showed you that. How could you allow a team with virtually no high-end talent, Ryan Fitzpatrick coming back to Buffalo, doing his Fitz magic best, and he had a lead on your team going into halftime? 14-9 to was the score going into halftime this was a colossal mistake by the bills i really wanted to see josh allen use this contest as a tune-up to prove that he was moving in the right direction the run game obviously isn't going to be anything spectacular but it should have been right Devin singletary's coming off the injury a lot of folks thought he was going to be the lead back he was going to have the big day i still said frank gore he's still gonna be your guy in this contest because they want to they want to nurse singletary back into the mix before they unleash the hounds but all in all it was not a good game for buffalo until you basically hit the fourth quarter so this is another thing the bills have been very schizophrenic when it comes to how they're playing these games their defense wasn't great today they had a letdown you know again in the fourth quarter Trey White he came out and he made some fantastic plays but overall the defense looked sluggish they looked like they weren't prepared Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick he, he did his best you know he does what he does 
he's going to sling the ball like he believes he's a gunslinger, but he still does it, right? So in the fourth quarter, getting back to that point, I mean, the Buffalo Bills, in every contest that we have seen, have this ability to raise the level of play when they hit the fourth quarter. Regardless if they're down or if they're up, they still raise the level of play. The biggest aspect here was that Josh Allen didn't have a turnover, and that is massive. That was the thing that we wanted to see, and he, he, he performed. He wasn't overly accurate. He found John Brown for the touchdown today. He also found Cole Beasley late. But, I mean, all in all, you expected a greater performance from the Bills. Straight up. That's all you needed to do. You needed to, to pound on this team to show the league that you are a true 5-1 squad. I don't know. I'll still chalk this up as, you know, bi-week, bi-week rust, whatever you want to call it, and we'll move on from there. Highlighting the Miami Dolphins, we did write an article for another site this week suggesting trending players, and one of those players was Mark Walton from the Dolphins. So two things. The Dolphins are in the market to move Kenyon Drake and that will open up the room for Mark Walton to be the starting running back for the Dolphins for the remainder of the season. We have been talking about Mark Walton for a very long time, since he came into the NFL, since he got drafted by the Bengals. This kid has skills. He is a very patient runner. He's got good lateral step. You know, he is quick, but he's not fast. So, A lot of scouts overlooked him. He also has great hands. He can help you in the pass game. He truly is a three-down guy. If he can up his uh, pass protection, you know, I think the Dolphins could have a player here. But he played very well against a very stout Buffalo Bills uh, run defense, and he should be getting a lot of looks come off the wire uh, in in the coming weeks. But... If that's one positive we can give for the Dolphins, that was that was probably one of our favorites. So anyway, the Bills move on. They are 5-1. and one. Their schedule looks pretty light moving forward. They do get the struggling Eagles next week, but moving right down the wire, they get the Skins, they get the Browns, you know, and then I think they get the Dolphins again. So the Buffalo Bills, things are looking up, man. If you guys can actually make things happen and kind of play – not kind of, but you need to be playing more at a higher level than what you did today. Today should have been a tune-up. It wasn't. Kind of depressing, kind of disappointing. Anyway, Bills win. Bills Mafia should be happy, smiling ear to ear. Next contest, let's move right along now. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cincinnati Bengals. So the winless Bengals, there isn't much we can say here anymore for a positive, even when it comes to fantasy play. Your dogs that you start week to week don't even show up anymore. I mean, Tyler Boyd had target share up the yin-yang today. And what did he have? He had 14 targets, and he just couldn't get anything done. The man of the hour was Alex Erickson, slot receiver. It was dump-off central today for Cincinnati. They couldn't run the ball. They, They manufactured the run through short pass, and that was through Erickson. It was it was difficult to watch if you're a Bengals fan, as it has been all season. For the Jaguars, I was a little bit disappointed with Gardner Minshew. I really expected, like the Bills game that we just said, I expected this to be a lot more of a tune-up for him. He was inaccurate today. He was missing his receivers. He was missing targets. One impressive thing about him today, though, he was running. He had nine carries for 48 yards, so... Adding that dynamic to his game was actually impressive. I did like that. Of course, Fournette got into the mix, 29 carries, 131. He was good. And and like we've been saying, we like Fournette just needed a capable passer to allow no stacked boxes on the line. Once they did that, I mean, Fournette is a superstar. Let's get that right. He will produce for you week in, week out, given the opportunity. He ran the ball 29 times, 29 times. I mean, that is that is what 1990s football. We don't see that very often anymore, but the coaching staff really knew that they just wanted to walk in and walk out with a victory. They won 27 to 17 today. 
It was on the strength of the run game. Minshew was okay. He wasn't great. I wanted to see a lot more. Chark got shut down today, but D.D. Westbrook had a day. So, I mean, there wasn't much left after that to discuss in this contest. The Jaguars are still alive in the AFC South. They needed the win. They're 3-4. and four. That South is going to get extremely tight moving forward, so all these divisional games coming up are going to be extremely important. And it was okay. I didn't really care to, care to watch that game very much, but I was still in it. Still caught a lot of it. Next one on the board. One game and one team that we constantly have been critical on for not doing what they should be doing. The Minnesota Vikings travel to Detroit to face off against the Lions. So, if you have been listening to the show in the past, you would have heard our displeasure for how the coaching staff is not appropriately calling this offensive system in place. It has been very difficult to understand. This contest proved everything that we have been preaching since the offseason. You have Dalvin Cook. He is perhaps the best running back in the NFL. You're using him. Great. Fantastic. It's been working. Fantastic. So understanding why the pass game hasn't been able to match this run with the talent you have at receiver has been the question mark. Today it was answered based on our philosophy. Set up the game plan through the run, establish the play-action pass, and then start spreading the ball around. This is what they did today. It was a thing of beauty to watch if you are a Vikings fan. If you have any shares of these players in fantasy football, you were loving what you were seeing. Kirk Cousins, 24 of 34, 337, four touchdown passes. Dalvin Cook, 25 carries, 142 yards, two touchdowns. Stephon Diggs, again, goes off, huge day, seven catches, 142, doesn't find the end zone. This is what we wanted to see. When you do it effectively, when you play and set up your system effectively, it's not like the Detroit Lions are a bad squad, man. They have a defense that can still play. Let's not get it twisted. Okay, the score was huge. The score was 42-30, to 30, but it didn't necessarily mean that the Detroit Lions were out of this contest. They were in it for pretty much the entire day. That late touchdown made it look worse than it was. Matthew Stafford himself had a big day. He was 364 and four touchdowns. He had a bad pick, but I mean, he was trying. They, again, the, see, this is the thing. We haven't been supporters of Carryon Johnson. He was on our sit list today. And look, okay, yeah, it's out of the control, but he was out with another injury. We do not trust the running back system or the running back players that the Lions continue to have. They need to find a running back who can stay healthy, who can actually be a three-down player on this offense, and you have a team. The story of the day was Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones put his name in the books with the greats like Jerry Rice. Marvin Jones caught four touchdowns today. You didn't hear me wrong? Four touchdowns today. This man was a machine unguardable Xavier Rhodes was on him he was getting cooked Trey Waynes was on him he was getting cooked he it was just his day Kenny Galladay was a little bit upsetting I thought he would have had a better day today he was barely targeted and I think maybe that was half the problem yes your run game stalled out when carry on left but you still have players on this offense Danny Amendola came to play today he was over 100 yards out of nowhere but this team does have players. The defense has players. Okay, So when, when, when we're sitting here su su suggesting that the Lions don't have a club, they have a team. They have a very good team. This defensive back, Coleman, on the Lions, I think he's the next up-and-coming, uh, very sound defensive back in this league. Go and watch his game. He's still learning. He's going to get burned, but he is a very talented player. Lions fans, I feel for you. 
you kind of let one get away. It's a massive divisional contest. You know, you're two, three, and one now. You're last in the division. And the Vikings just keep on cruising. And this is actually the the most interesting part in our eyes is that the Vikings are moving in a direction where they where they continue to grow in confidence. Their offense continues to be better. The defense needs to tighten things up at times, like they needed to today. But I mean, outside of that, you're seeing growth from this Viking squad, and if it continues, they will be a powerhouse going into the playoffs. They should make the playoffs. I don't see any scenario where they do not make the playoffs. I like it. I'm I'm all on board with this Vikings club. I still have a lot of faith in Kirk Cousins. I think he still was. We preached it before. He was one of the best value picks in the fantasy drafts, and he's proven it now. I mean, we're only week seven, so if you could have, if you if you bared through the rough patch at the start, he's gonna start producing big numbers for you. Dalvin Cook, man, this guy is just a machine. I'm liking what I'm seeing. Moving right along, let's go on to the next contest with the Green Bay Packers and the Oakland Raiders. So when we looked back at this contest, a lot of people wanted to say that the Oakland Raiders, after beating the Chicago Bears in London, had a shot in Lambeau to upset the Packers. We weren't buying it. I mean, you could have sold it to us many different ways, but we weren't buying it. It was it was it was inevitable. I mean, the Raiders played well against the Bears, but the Bears, when we get to their contest, we'll discuss what's going on with them. But the Packers. So this game was it started off a little bit slow and interesting, but when the floodgates opened for the Raiders, Aaron Rodgers came back to show and prove that he still is the man. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. His game was ridiculous. This was a record-setting day for him. He was he accounted for six touchdowns today himself. Five throwing, one rushing. He was an animal. This is also perhaps what people don't discuss more often than not. This is without a lot of your talent. Devontae Adams still not in this contest. You know, Geronimo Allison was playing less than 100% easily. Valdez Scandling, same thing. He was less than 100%, but he made the game. Lazard played. Vitali played. And he's, he's feeding these kids the ball. He just makes people better. It doesn't even matter who your receivers are. He will get you the ball. If you can catch, you're on this team because he can get you the ball. Aaron Rodgers beasted, feasted, and ate, licked the plate clean. Nothing you can even argue to suggest this wasn't such an impressive day. It was an amazing day. The Oakland Raiders. So again, we were, I don't want to say critical, but I wanted proof from the rookie Josh Jacobs. I wanted proof, and I said I would come back and review it about the midway point to see how he's progressing, and I like what I'm seeing. I am not an Alabama running back supporter only because the system is tailored not necessarily to translate into the NFL. The only player that I can really support is Mark Ingram, like I've said in the past. But Josh Jacobs is showing me a great deal of good, for lack of a better term. He is showing me ample amounts of skill, speed, quickness, finesse. I'm liking it. He was used in the pass game today. Jacobs' day-to-day was 21 carries for 124. He had three targets in the pass game. I like it. You know, if we go back and say, where did this contest change? It was actually ironic because Derek Carr did the exact same play he did, I, I believe it was either last season or the season before, where he switched, he was running to his right, and he went to dive for the pylon in the end zone, switched the ball from his right to his left to reach out, and he again dropped the ball at the one-yard line. It flew out of his hand and went into the end zone for a touchback. Second time that's happened in his career, and that's where the game totally changed. So 
if Oakland was able to get that touchdown, do I believe they would have had a shot at winning this game? No. It was insignificant in the long run. But at that point, you gave all momentum to Green Bay. And that's where Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, Coach LaFleur, just opened up the floodgates and were like, you know what, let's just pass it on them all day. And they did. Packers looked great. The run game looked sound. I mean, they're not putting up the gaudy statistics today, but they're able to run the ball. Mix it up. Play action pass. This is what we've been saying with the Vikings. This is what Aaron Rodgers has needed. He needed a team. He needed a system. The Mike McCarthy days were washed. He needed to go. Matt LaFleur has got the, got the elixir needed for Rodgers to be successful. Packers are moving in the right direction. I like what I'm seeing from their club. Next one on the board. Let's move right along. The Packers did their, did their business. Next one on the board. The Arizona Cardinals at the New York Giants. So here's the thing. I have been massively supportive of rookie Kyler Murray for the Arizona Cardinals. Still will be unless he falls off a cliff because I believe this kid has got ample amounts of talent. This contest, however, threw me for a loop because it was it was cross-country travel. Cardinals going all the way to New York. And we always know West going East, teams don't normally fare very well. Kyler's a rookie. DJ David Johnson was was hobbled with an injury. He was, uh, I believe, it wasn't a game time decision, but he was. He it was a question mark whether or not he was going to play. They said he was going to suit up. They had Chase Edmonds as their their backup, and I mean Patrick Peterson was coming off suspension. However, going all the way across country, I get it. It's the Giants' defense. It's the Giants in general. The Giants got Shaquan Barkley back today, or Saquon. Saquon Barkley back today. I thought this contest was going to be not an easy victory for the Giants, but I thought with all the weapons back on the field, they were going to show you what they could actually be. Did not happen. The Giants were mistake machines today. They fell behind so fast it was 17 nothing before you could even blink an eye. Turnovers by Daniel Jones all day. Jones was just sacked. He was hammered. I believe they had eight or nine sacks today. It was just ridiculous. The, the offensive line once again proving it wasn't Eli Manning's fault. Look, this is the exact same situation Eli went through. He had no protection. Okay? Daniel Jones had no protection. Barkley on a positive note, got into the end zone. Welcome back. 72 yards, one touchdown. Wasn't great. He he struggled. You could tell he was not himself. He was hurting. But the Arizona Cardinals, so here's the thing. Kyler Murray, he wasn't asked to do a whole heck of a lot after they took that lead. So I will give a lot of kudos to the head coach, Kingsbury, he he coached this game very well. So understanding that David Johnson wasn't wasn't healthy, he only had one carry and never saw the ball again today. Chase Edmonds. So once they found a little bit of room and Edmonds got that early touchdown, it was feed the ball to Edmonds all day long. He had a field day on this Giants defense. Break down his numbers, 27 carries, 126, 4.7 average, three rushing touchdowns. This was your offense. This was all you needed. The Giants made a valiant attempt to come back in this contest. Didn't quite work out. They were struggling. They had moments, but again, the sacks, the turnovers by, by Daniel Jones just didn't help the cause. If he could have held on to the ball, He's been fumbling like crazy, and that has been his biggest problem. Kyler Murray gets the win again. The Cardinals are moving in the right direction. They're 3-3-3. Three, three, and three. They're still alive. There's nothing saying that they can't 
make the playoffs. I mean, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but there's nothing saying it. This thing is wide open at this point. It's only week seven. The Giants, on the other hand, I have to say I'm I'm quite disappointed. I wanted to see a lot more. Weather was a factor. I'll give it that. The rain came in on the East Coast today, and it was just it was wet. It was ugly. Field conditions sucked. Ball control sucked. But that's the NFL. Cardinals win 27-21. Steal one in New York. Good on them. So one contest that I was I was amped up to see was the Houston Texans traveling to the Colts. So any team coming off the bye week is always going to get an uptick in our mind because they got the extra week of preparation, right? Especially when they're playing at home. However, we so we are we said it before that the Houston Texans are also a schizophrenic unit. Because week to week, you really don't know what you're going to get. It appears that Deshaun Watson, he can be game-planned against in certain situations. So when he's feeling it, he's feeling it. He's on. He's going to make plays. But when Will Fuller left this contest with an injury, uh, of course, he, he when when can he stay healthy for the whole season? But that's that's another topic. But I mean... Deshaun Watson, when Fuller left, it was like the game plan was very strange. I mean, they tried to put stills in the game. He got into the game. Hopkins had a good day. But then outside of that, you didn't have anything else. That explosive downfield threat was gone. So your game plan completely changed, right? The run game, it took a major backseat. And that was understandable because they got Leonard back from injury. The Colts did on defense. Huge. Huge upside to bring back this defense to respectable levels. But the story today is Jacoby Brissett. Everyone, including myself, had reservation when Andrew Luck retired to see what Jacoby Brissett was going to do for this offense. He has been up and down, but the fact that this kid can show contests such as these is extremely encouraging. Frank Reich, in his own right, is fantastic you can't say otherwise his play calling has been great his coaching has been great he has this team running and humming Jacoby Brissett break down his day if you missed it 26 for 39 326 four touchdowns four touchdowns got one to Pascal or two to Pascal one to Hilton and one to Eric Ebron on an amazing one-handed catch in the back of the end zone. So the Colts, it's it's a very, very interesting situation in this division. The Colts now take the lead at 4-2. and two. The Texans are 4-3. and three. This was a massive game for the standings. And this Colts defense is still banged up, still don't have Malik Hooker, They need to get healthy, and this team could do some damage. So I'm very disappointed in the Houston Texans today. They tried to make it a game late. Didn't happen. Didn't work. They ran out of time. But Jacoby Brissett leads this team, and he's looking good doing it. He's getting more comfortable in the pocket. And if if they get all aspects of their offense in gear with the run, spreading the ball around to their receivers... Jacoby can take off himself. I mean, this could be another dangerous squad in the AFC. Good contest. Was a very good showing. So, next one on the board. The San Francisco 49ers travel to Washington with their 5-0 record to face off against the 1-6 Redskins. Wasn't Wasn't expecting a whole hell of a lot out of this contest. Won't lie. I really wanted to see the Niners come out, show what they can do. I mean, the Skins' defense isn't horrible up front, but they have their issues as well. Offensively, I didn't believe they were going to be able to hang with the 49ers' defense, which is up-and-coming elite. That defensive line for the Niners is unbelievable. But again, this was one of those contests that got hit with weather, and it basically changed the entire fabric of this contest. There was nothing to see here. The final score was 9 nothing. Offense was abysmal from both sides. 
the pass wasn't there, the run wasn't there, the field was just completely drenched, nobody could get their footing, and the 49ers just, I believe, kicked field goals to win this game. So, I mean, what else can you really say about this one? It, chalk it up as a non-contest for both clubs. Niners stay undefeated, go 6-0. and Wasn't a lot to evaluate. Conditions just killed it. It was a good old-school, uh, wet, muddy, you know, sack fest defense. I mean, if that if that floats your boat for NFL games, I mean, you got it there. But outside of that, wasn't anything special. Nothing more really to see here. So we'll just move right along. The Washington Redskins season is in, in dire straits. They're done. They'll probably muster a little bit moving down as they get a little bit more healthy. But outside of that, they're done. The Niners, they still look like the cream of the crop. Good teams got to win in all situations, and they're doing it. 6-0, first time since I believe they said the 90s. Looking good doing it. So let's move right along. Nothing else to talk about on that contest. The L.A. Chargers and the Tennessee Titans highlight the three contests in the late afternoon games. So I am going to take a victory lap right off the bat. So you give me a second and envision in your head me running around the studio like a, like a freak. Because I had been preaching the benching of Marcus Mariota for how long? If you follow my work on All Day Football, if you have been listening to the show, we have been calling it for ages. It was time. Put Mariota on the bench. Do not allow him to return. Enter Ryan Tannehill. So, again, it's not that we believe that Ryan Tannehill is a savior for this club. However, he is much better. He is far more in tune to allow this offense, which is loaded with talent, to do what they need to do. He showed it today against the okay, against the struggling Chargers team. I get it. So maybe even the understanding what he could do is is out the window because the Chargers are so banged up on defense as well. But I'm still chalking it up as a massive victory lap here because Tannehill looked good today. Tannehill's numbers if you didn't watch this game Tannehill was able to move the ball up and down the field with ease they didn't really have much of a running game till late in the late in the contest but Tannehill's numbers 23 29 312 yards two touchdowns one interception if he didn't throw that interception I mean the Chargers were struggling as it is and the Titans have a defense that can shut down some of the best in the league so with this team of, of the, the Corey Davises, the A.J. Browns, you have a squad here, the Adam Humphreys. You have guys to throw the ball to. And Ryan Tannehill stuck it right in Mariota's face and said, look, this is how you use your talent. This was too far down. They should have done this weeks ago. And I understand why. You have Mariota still on last year of his rookie contract. You wanted to see what you had left, but it was time. Tannehill showed well. Phillip Rivers and the L.A. Chargers, I don't know, man. You guys are broken as well. Your run game is just not there anymore. Melvin Gordon, again, comes in, does nothing. I get it. Your offensive line is banged up. That's always going to take a toll on any club, so maybe I'll give you a pass in that scenario. But Philip Rivers, you know, he came back, he tried, he attempted late in the game. So this game, if you missed it, it came down to the wire. They had a chance, the Chargers did, to put this game away with like 30 seconds left on the clock. They had, I believe, two overturned calls, and then the third time Melvin Gordon fumbled the ball right on the goal line, and it was recovered by the Titans, game over. So, you know, you're losing in the most... Los Angeles Charger way possible. I mean, it's it's getting ugly in LA. Things need to change. I get it. The, the whole team is injured. The defense has nobody left. So how can you win without your stars? I mean, maybe I should be a little bit more, a little easier on the Chargers at this point because they still, they still try. They almost pulled it out. 
but health has been a major concern over the last few years, and you got to feel bad for him. But for Ryan Tannehill, hey, man, I'm, I'm happy for you. You came in the game. You looked good. You found Davis six times. You found Brown six times. Humphreys got in the mix four times. So, I mean, this is going to be your common thread. So if you're a fantasy football player, get on the wire and find all Tennessee Titan receivers because this will be a common thread. You play the matchup, obviously, but A.J. Brown and Corey Davis are your two main guys. They're back. They're fantasy relevant. You're going to see it progress moving forward, especially against a weaker defense. Tannehill is a decent quarterback. He will get things done. Victory lap, baby. I called it a long time ago. I don't usually do this, but I'm going to take the victory lap because this one was massive for me. I believed in them. I believe that when they traded for him that they knew the writing was on the wall. Go Tannehill. Go Titans. I like it. So next one on the board, the New Orleans Saints travel to Chicago to face the Bears. So I I really didn't foresee this being an offensive game whatsoever. The score will, will definitely tell a different story. But, I mean, a lot of that was done late in the fourth where the defenses were gassed. But this was a defensive showing to the nth degree. New Orleans, everyone needs to stand up and recognize the fact that this defense is a top dog. This defense, when they get Drew Brees back, and if they can get this offense moving the way that they had envisioned, this defense will carry this club to the Super Bowl. No question in my mind. It's week seven, and I can already say that. If they can remain healthy, that defensive front is a beast. They don't allow anybody any room to run. They get constant pressure on the quarterback. Even if they're not getting the sacks, they're in his grill. Mitchell Trubisky looked like a rookie in his first contest today. Anybody looking at the box score is going to be like, well, Chris, what do you mean? He threw for 251 yards and two touchdowns today. And I'm going to say go back and rewatch the game. All that statistic was done in garbage time, meant nothing in the game. The Saints were already not playing. They just wanted to get out of there and go home. Okay? When it comes down to the Saints, they had no Alvin Kamara. Latavius Murray, he was a good shower today. A lot of people, so this was a common thread today. When you look back at the numbers for the running backs, Latavius Murray was 27 carries for 119. So that's like four players that we've already talked about on this show that almost hit the 30 carry mark. I mean, this is 1990 numbers. So what does this say to people when top players are out with injuries? They always go back to the run. So when even though we are calling this a passing league, I understand it, you can't get away from the run, okay? You can't change the way this game has been played. You can attempt more passes, but look, has the fabric of the game improved because it's a, a quote-unquote passing league? I wouldn't say so. Yeah, okay, you have some shootout contest like we had the, the LA Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs last year that was a a hundred point game, but that's far and few between, right? The running game, you don't necessarily need the 30 carries a game anymore, but you can definitely establish your run with 20 carries a game. Lead back, get the play action going, opens up the game, and you see better contests for it. So anyway, Teddy Bridgewater again. Since Drew Brees has gone down, he is 5-0, and as a Saints starter, he's done what he's been asked to do. I credit Teddy. I credit Coach uh, Sean Payton. Big time. Sean Payton needs to get a lot more credit for what he has done. And if the Saints go all the way, I would have no problem recommending him for Coach of the Year. That was massive. He has coached up Teddy Bridgewater to be the game manager, take your open shots, don't make mistakes. Don't turn the ball over. And Teddy has done it to perfection. Teddy again today, 281 yards, two touchdowns. He's doing exactly what you need him to do. Drew Brees is potentially coming back next week. I heard rumor he could be against the Arizona Cardinals, but I won't be surprised if they sit him out for that one as they get the bye week the following week. And I believe it'll be, what, week 9, week 10? Week 9. No, week 10, Drew Brees will come back. That's okay. So Saints keep rolling. This Chicago Bears defense. So 
again, you're going to look at the stat line and say, well, what happened to the Bears' defense? And it wasn't the Bears' defense. They did their best, man. They did their job. The offense was basically three and out how many times? You cannot, I don't care how good your defense is. This is this goes with the, the Denver Broncos, you know, when when they're playing, when they still had all their troops on the field. The same goes for the Bears. They're an elite unit. But if you're playing majority of the game, how do you expect to even have any energy to play? It's impossible. I mean, look at all the stats that matter, Right. When you go back and you look at the time of possession, the Saints offense was on the field for 37 minutes today. 37 minutes. And you expect the Bears defense to be locked down that entire time? Not going to happen. Coach Matt Nagy, again, I will be your biggest critic at this point until you figure things out. This is your forte. The offense is your job. If you can't get Mitchell Trubisky to play, You can't even get your run game established. It was a tight contest. I have no clue what the heck you're doing with your run game. Cohen had three carries. Montgomery had two carries. Patterson and Miller both had one each. That's it. That's it for your run game. And you're expecting Mitchell Trubisky to do what? Some magical things? Trubisky threw the ball 54 times today. Okay, granted, you're down and you now you need to throw the ball late. This isn't your game plan. Quit trying to make him what he isn't. He's still learning this game, this system. He needs to understand it before you can actually deliver. Coaches do this all the time. They put players in bad situations, bad spots, kills their career, and then what do they have left? Impressive, though, Teddy Bridgewater. I like it. It proves that even if Drew Brees does go down again, he can manage this club. This team has everything they need to make it to the big show. So I'm, I'm digging it. Saints rolling. Saints move on. Keep it going. Next game on the board. The Baltimore Ravens travel to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. So again, weather came into play in this contest, even though it was on the west where the storm was on the east before and the other ones. I was, I was curious of this contest. The spread came in, I believe, favoring the Hawks at three and a half. I believe I took the under. I took the Ravens only because Lamar Jackson and his running ability and the fact that the Seahawks defense at home hasn't played as well, which is kind of strange. They've been playing better on the road than they have at home. Typically isn't the case with the 12th man, but it has been this season. So when you go and look at how this game was was shaping up, I mean, it was a tied contest at halftime. But, I mean, it was back and forth. We saw a lot of runs. You know, both squads were establishing the run. They were trying to get the pass going. Some good plays, some big plays. But one of the biggest plays, I think, before the half was that Russell Wilson interception of Marcus Peters. That was something that we don't typically see from Russell Wilson. He was baited to perfection by Peters and he just jumped that route and took it right to the house. That changed a lot for how Seattle felt about their offensive game plan after that point. It was clear. I mean, they were still trying to run. They were still throwing the ball fairly well, but they knew that they didn't have what they wanted or what they thought they could have had on this Ravens defense. Peters was getting cooked in Los Angeles. Don't don't get it twisted. But he came out to prove people wrong, and he changed the whole landscape of this contest. Even as the Hawks still were in it, still had a chance, Baltimore sealed this one late with another defensive fumble return. DK Metcalf, I don't know what you did. He he turned, he caught the ball, and I mean, again, it was wet conditions, so could you blame it on, on the wet ball maybe? But he turned and he basically just he took two steps and dropped the ball. And Humphrey uh, picked it up and just ran right into the end zone. A lot of a lot of things that come out of this contest for me. I mean, Seattle still looks very good. They're they're strong. There's no question. I just think the plan wasn't there today. I think that mistakes played a massive role in losing. And they haven't seen they don't play 
a quarterback who can run the ball this effectively, even at 50%. They don't have a, a, a guy in their division. I mean, Kyler Murray hasn't shown it yet with his feet. But, I mean, Lamar Jackson tore him apart on the ground today. Again, he was over 100 yards on 14 carries on the ground. So here you go. This, the Hawks had it. They said, we dare you to beat us on the ground, and they did. And why do I say that? Because they shut down Jackson in the pass game. He only completed nine balls today. Nine passes. So it was if Jackson couldn't find his man, so they were playing a lot of cover too, it was clear. And anytime the defense would turn their back, the linebackers, Jackson would find the hole and take off. So they were hoping Clowney and company could get to Jackson before he could run, and that just wasn't happening. Jackson looked electric. It was Michael Vick again. I'm going to always compare him to Michael Vick because he was the first one in my eyes to do it outside of Randall Cunningham back in the days. But he he's he's an electric player. Looked good. Didn't hate it. Seahawks needed to clean it up just a little bit, but the turnovers killed him. So it's a loss for the Hawks, a big win for the Ravens. They're 5-2. and two. They still hold the, the first place. So good contest. Really enjoyed it. Let's go on now to the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys Sunday night football. So in this one, I I was torn because both clubs have been playing so poorly of late that I couldn't really put my handle, I couldn't put a handle on it more outside of the injuries. They're, both clubs are beaten up, but, I mean, this is football. you got a next man up, has to come out and play, has to support the system, has to put the plays on the board. And today the Eagles just fell flat on their face. The Cowboys definitely were more prepared. Turnovers killed the Eagles early, and this is half the problem. You want to establish the run as the Eagles with, with Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders? You couldn't do that today. You were down early. I believe at one point the the Cowboys had four possessions inside Eagle territory because of the turnovers. Like, that's ridiculous. How are you supposed to win? So in my eyes, it was clear this club, the Eagles, they're missing Deshaun Jackson. They're missing that deep threat. There's nobody to spread the field, and that is wearing thin. Alshon Jeffrey can only do so much. The run game is getting stacked boxes. They're getting the extra linebacker covering. So it's difficult. I get it. But the Eagles' defense, I I am at the point where I'm going to say, shut it down, Eagles' D. You got nothing to show. And it's sad. You got You got players on that side, but that secondary is a nightmare. They cannot cover anybody effectively. Dallas was able to do whatever they wanted on the ground, through the air. Amari Cooper looked great. Burned the secondary how many times. Made a fantastic catch on the sideline. He goes over 100 today. And then they finished it off with Zeke Elliott with a big day. That was your game. Wasn't overly entertaining from the viewership perspective, but, I mean, if you're a Cowboys fan, you're happy to have seen this, especially against a divisional opponent. Eagles fans... Eagles supporters, I feel for you because this is going to continue. You have no depth on defense whatsoever, and you wonder why you were gashed on the ground so bad. You you just cut Zach Brown. I totally understand that Brown wasn't buying into the system that they wanted him to, but you can't just give up a guy for nothing who is a major part of your run defense. I found that to be peculiar. I found it to be silly. And look, the Cowboys made you pay today. Terrible day for the Eagles. Dak Prescott was average today. I wouldn't say he was he was anything special. He was accurate. He was on point, but he wasn't he wasn't anything special. But regardless to say the Cowboys D looked a lot better. It was good. So that's pretty much it for Sunday's contest. Let's let's just jump into the to the Monday night game. New England travels to New York. 6-0 New England Patriots against the 1-4 New York Jets. Sam Darnold off the mono. Everyone is saying that he's going to come out and put on a show that the Jets have a real shot at winning this game simply because the Patriots have so many injuries, blah, blah, blah. 
So I'm not buying it. It's the New England Patriots. They have to show me some more stumble before I'm going to sit here and say that the Jets have a chance. They are not at the same level. Adam Gase, number one, is going to get out coached by Bill Belichick. 100%. There's no question about it. They will try. Le'Veon Bell will try. You know, Sam Darnold will have his plays. But you're going to go up against the, the best statistical def- defense in the NFL right now. It doesn't even matter if you're on the road or at home. This defense is for real. They lock you down. They shut everything down. So for me to sit here and suggest, I believe the spread was 10.5 favoring the Patriots. I mean, the spread is a little high for me. I could see it a closer contest than 11 points. But in the same token, so you have all these injuries on offense. What do you think Bill Belichick is going to do? He's going to highlight players that you don't even know he has on this roster. That's what he does. I mean, and you're going to use other players. So expect James White to have a big day. Expect Julian Edelman to have a big day. And then they're going to try to feed the run game with Sony Michelle. And if Burkhead is back, this is going to be your plan on offense. Short passes again. Josh Gordon isn't playing, so you lose the deep, deep shot. But they're going to they're gonna figure it out. This is the New England Patriots. As for the Jets, I believe they might get uh, C.J. Mosley back. So that that does change things in my, in my eyes a lot. Uh, C.J. Mosley is a game changer on defense, and he should be able to make this more of a tighter contest. And I'll, and I'll be interesting. I'll be watching that quite, quite a bit. Mosley, if he plays, then we could have maybe some reservation to say that the Jets could could do something. But again... It's going to be Patriots defense against this offense uh, of the Jets, and I, I just don't see Darnold making waves. I just don't see it. Should be an interesting one, though. I'm looking forward to it. But anyway, on that note, that is Week 7. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. We appreciate you. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. We are on iTunes and Spotify and now on our iHeartRadio. So once again, thank you for tuning in. We definitely appreciate you. And until next week, stay humble, stay peaceful, take care of each other. I'm out.